And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff that's been stepped in so you don't have to. I'm Son Edom, and tonight, a special edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. In light of the train wreck that was literally at a train station called the Oscars, I've decided tonight we are going to give away our own version of the Oscars, and we're going to talk some movies. I've got some movie categories here. I've got some nominees, and then we are going to award what I'm calling the Footprint Award. Two steps ahead, steps leaves a footprint, Footprint Award, you get it. Uh, Footprint Awards to the best movie in that category. So we have some fun tonight. I know oftentimes we talk some serious things, and we talk about motivation, inspiration, success, bringing out the greatness in us. Oscars was not the greatness that we've seen, so we're going to take a look back at some of the, the better movies, some of the great movies, maybe, and maybe you disagree, and that's fine. It is a free country. But let's kick things off properly with a proper introduction. All right, so like I said, this is the Footprint Awards, our version of the Oscars. And so let's go ahead and take a look at our first category, mobster movies, gangster movies. Now, when I'm sitting around, maybe on a Saturday afternoon, just scrolling through the channels, looking for something that's on TV, or maybe I just feel like maybe burning some time and I want to pop something on, on demand, and I feel like a gangster movie, a mobster movie, these are the top five. Now, I'll get stuck watching Pretty much any gangster movie that comes on because I'm enamored by it. It's fascinating to watch these gangster movies, especially ones based on true stories because it was real. I had an opportunity to talk to Mike Franchese, and uh, he was a mobster. And the only reason why he's out of witness protection is because everybody that he testified against was either dead or in prison for life, and he's pretty much safe now. But it's always fascinating to watch these movies and to see this lifestyle that is completely different from anything that I would ever experience. So here we go. Are you ready? The nominees for Best Mobster Movie, and in no particular order, The Godfather Part 1, Casino, Donnie Brasco, Untouchables, and Goodfellas. And the Footprint Award goes to... Goodfellas. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, Goodfellas tells us two lessons to learn in life. Don't write out your friends and keep your mouth shut. It also had this pretty dynamic scene at the end or towards the end of the movie. So now my plan was to stay alive long enough to sell off the dope that the cops never found and then disappear for a while until I can get things straightened out. Karen! Where's the stuff that I left, Karen? I flushed it down the toilet. You what? What was I supposed to do? They were all over the house. Karen, that was worth $60,000. I need that money. That's all we got. What was I supposed to do? They Karen! Weren't, they were in everything. That's all the money that we had, Karen. I was dependent on that. Why did you do that? I had to Karen, do it. What? They were going to find oh, it. Oh, fuck. 
Fuck, Karen, they would have never they found it. They would have found it, I swear to you, Henry, I swear, <laughs> Henry, they would have found it. Oh, no. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Karen? So there you have it, Goodfellas gets our footprint award for the best mobster movie beating out some of the others i know the godfather part one people might be like hey that was probably the best movie i wasn't a fan of the godfather movies probably if it came on tv i probably wouldn't watch it again all the others casino donnie brasco untouchables i would watch if they come on but goodfellas for some reason just stands out as the best of the mobster movies our next category we move on to trilogies Trilogies are movies that have at least three, obviously the try. Now, there's a couple in here that may have more to the movie universe, and we'll have a movie universe coming up later. But these are three movies, a trilogy, the best trilogy movies that are out there. Here are the nominees. And again, in no particular order, you've got Back to the Future. Have you seen them? Star Wars, the original three, The Dark Knight, Matrix, and Lord of the Rings. And the Footprint Award goes to... I mean, is there really ever a choice? Star Wars, by far the OG trilogy, coming out and taking the Footprint Award. Now, Back to the Future was good, although I didn't like the third one, the Western one. It got a little too much for me. The Dark Knight, the Joker was able to pull it together. But again, a lot of repetition in the storyline. Matrix was solid, which would have been my second choice. And then Lord of the Rings, you know, just an epic a trilogy there, but Star Wars taking the Footprint Award for the best trilogy here on Two Steps Ahead podcast. Again, this is the alternate to the Oscars, showcasing some of the best that Hollywood and cinema had to offer over the years. Now, a lot of you that uh, know me know that I like baseball, know that baseball is a big part of my life. You obviously see me wear the hats most of the time or sometimes the jerseys. And so I picked out a category, best baseball movie. And again, the criteria for this are movies that will make me sit down and actually kind of watch. If I'm scrolling through on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon and it comes on, it's going to captivate me. So here we go. Are you ready? So here are the nominees for best baseball movie. Major League, A League of Their Own, The Final Season, For the Love of the Game, and Moneyball. And the Footprint Award goes to Moneyball. All right, you got a minute? Yeah. Take a seat. 
You can't start Pena first tonight. You'll have to start Hatterberg. Yeah, I don't want to go 15 rounds, Billy. The lineup card is mine, and that's all. Okay, the lineup card is definitely yours. I'm just saying you can't start paying it first. Well, I am starting him at first. I don't think so. He plays for Detroit now. You traded Pena? So there you have it, Moneyball, winning the Footprint Award for Best Baseball Movie. Now, when I was kind of previewing some of this to people, they were wondering why, which was just on TV, I think, earlier tonight, was uh, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams had a lot more to do with other things than just baseball, so therefore didn't make the cut. For the Love of the Game is a great movie. Actually, any of these. The final season, in case you don't know what the final season is, the final season is a baseball movie about a high school in Norway, Iowa. It's a small school that won like 20 straight state championships as a small school. But because of consolidation by the Iowa Board of Education, it was absorbed by a bigger school, and the high school baseball team basically disappeared, and the team and the town was never the same again. But it uh, is, a, is a great movie starring Sean Astin, Rachel Lee Cook. So if you need something to do, Powers Booth, if you need something to do on a Saturday afternoon and you're looking for a baseball movie that's not specifically baseball, the final season. Now, another baseball movie that I liked but didn't make the cut was um, Bull Durham. Now, if you take all the other stuff out of Bull Durham and just piece together the baseball parts, fantastic, hilarious, best thing ever. But when you throw in all the other stuff, just didn't make the cut. So, so far, we've got three categories down. The best mobster movie goes to Goodfellas. The best trilogy, Star Wars. And the best baseball movie is Moneyball. And maybe you have your own ideas of what is a best movie. Showcasing some of the best Hollywood has presented to us over the years. The next category, 80s movies. Here are the nominees in no particular order. You've got Red Dawn, the original one, Die Hard, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Top Gun. And the Footprint Award goes to Die Hard. name it who are you just another american who saw too many movies as a child another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks he's john wayne rambo marshall dylan i was always kind of partial to roy rogers actually i really like those sequined shirts do you really think you have a chance against us mr cowboy so die hard Winning the Footprint Award for the best 80s movie. Now, here's the thing that I have about Die Hard that we can argue about all day long, and I will never change my mind. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. There is a difference between setting, the time and place, the plot, which is what the story or movie is about. So plot is what the story or movie is about. Setting is 
the time and space in which the movie takes place. Die Hard, the time and setting, the time and place that the movie takes place is around Christmas time, but the actual story itself is not about Christmas. It's about a bunch of basically bank robbers stealing some bearer bonds worth millions of dollars. Lethal Weapon, if you've seen the first one, not a Christmas movie, although the setting is very much at Christmas time. The house is decorated, there's Christmas trees, all that stuff, not a Christmas movie. A Christmas movie that would have the plot around Christmas could be something like Miracle on 34th Street, even Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. And I'd go so far to say as Christmas with the Cranks, even though they tried to erase Christmas, the plot has something to do with Christmas. The setting does not make it a Christmas movie. So in this case, the Footprint Award goes to Die Hard for the best 80s movie, but it's not a Christmas movie. Now, Top Gun 2 is coming out, which should be interesting because it's about Goose's kid who is now in the Navy. And then Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, is, I guess, a Top Gun instructor. And that dynamic between that relationship, it's been postponed because of COVID. And they wanted to release it on demand during the COVID, but they pushed it back because I think they really want that theatrical release, which will be interesting to see because will the theaters, although in some places they're open, will the theaters and the theatrical release really have the pull that it once had. I don't know. We'll have to see. Moving on to our next category. The category is the best horror film. Now, the nominees for best horror film, Psycho, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, The Shining, and Nosferatu. And the Footprint Award goes to Nosferatu. Now, Nosferatu is a 1920 silent film. So I have no audio because it's a silent film. Okay. What makes it so significant is the fact that it's about a vampire. Now, think about this. Before there was the visual imagery, you read something like maybe Bram Stoker's, uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. You would start to formulate what the image of a vampire looked like in your mind what you thought the vampire would be based on the descriptions in the book or in the story might be different from what I think from what somebody else thinks. And so you get your version of what a vampire really is. Okay. So the significance of Nosferatu for the first time, you get an image telling all of us collectively what a vampire may look like. And that's the first movie that gives us an image of a vampire Nosferatu. It's a silent film. It's worth watching. It's kind of entertaining. And the uh, creature, the vampire himself, looks a little different than vampires of today. You might think of Interview with the Vampire, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. And then, of course, you've got the Twilight series, right, between the vampires and the uh, werewolves. And what, Taylor Lautner, was he the vampire? Or was he the other guy? I never saw the films. But anyways, so... Again, that's the significance of Nosferatu. Psycho, very good movie. One of the uh, first from, um, oh, what's his name? Escapes me now. But one of the first movies that uh, came out. And actually, if you haven't uh, seen it, it's worth watching. And in that famous scene, the stabbing in the shower scene, to get the blood just to look just right, they actually use chocolate syrup. And so when you see the blood splattering in that black and white movie in the shower, after the stabbing, of the victim, that's chocolate syrup. 
So that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about some of these older movies, too, is you don't have the computer technology, the computer-generated technology. You had to actually come up with special effects, and you actually had to come up with some things to make it work, because otherwise, you can't pull it off. Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock is the guy I'm thinking of, that came up with... Um, Psycho. Of course, Nightmare on Elm Street. I like those movies, but again, more cartoonish than anything. Halloween, a solid classic. Something to watch every year during October. The Shining, great movie. Good ending. But again, Nosferatu, because of the way the, the movie kind of establishes once and for all, collectively and universally, what a vampire is, that's why I watch it. Plus, of course, it's a silent film. So again, it's relying on other things. There's no dialogue. You're relying on music. And the dramatic themes of music to make the point instead of dialogue. And then you've got, you know, word cards that will pop up and give a little bit of dialogue. But the whole thing is just anything but words. And it's a great movie. Again, 1922 or something like that. A 1920 silent film. So Nosferatu getting the footprint award for the best horror film. So we got five categories down. Again, recapping the footprint awards because we're two steps ahead podcast and we take a step. You leave a footprint. And hopefully that footprint is a good footprint. Maybe it's a footprint to life. Maybe it's taking you down the right road. The Oscars the other night, only less than 10 million people watched. And so obviously leaving some bad footprints along the way. And so what we're doing is we're taking a look back at some of the best that Hollywood had to offer. Some of the best movies out there. And we've got some categories and we've got some nominees. And the nominees we present and then the winner is announced. And we've got our own Oscar version of Two Steps Ahead podcast. Now, one area, one genre of film that started to really collect a following and started to really get some traction in Hollywood before COVID hit was faith-based movies. So I decided to put in some faith-based movies as a category and give you five nominees. So here are the nominees for best faith-based movie. And again, in no particular order, The Hiding Place. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chariots of Fire, Facing the Giants, and The Second Chance. And the Footprint Award goes to Facing the Giants. Rock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. No, tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach, can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I wear 160. And so again, Facing the Giants is a movie about a high school football coach. And again, it's faith-based, so he has a Christian faith. And he's a struggle. His struggle to win, his struggle to keep his job because the team isn't doing well. And he's kind of lost his way in his faith. And so he decides to put all his faith or all his trust back into his faith. 
And the movie then goes from there. In this particular scene, one of his best players, the leader on the team, he puts them at the goal line. And if you are unfamiliar, football field is 100 yards. So he puts them at the goal line at one end, blindfolds them, makes them do a bear crawl. Now, a bear crawl, you're on your hands and knees, but you lift your knees up so you're crawling on your toes and your hands, okay? And you go across the field. And then he put another guy, a kid, which said he was 160 pounds, even the coach thought he was maybe 140, 150, on his back to crawl him all the way to the 50-yard line. And so prior to that conversation there that he had with the player, he's pounding his fist, encouraging them to keep going, to keep going. And the player's screaming, how far, how far to the 50, how far to the 50? And he's screaming some more, and he's pounding his fist and, and encouraging the, the player to keep going, keep going. And then eventually at the end, the player can't go no more. He's done. He's exerted everything, and he collapses. And the player, still blindfolded, asks the coach, did I make it to the 50-yard line? And the coach is like, no, son, you made it to the end zone. So instead of going 50 yards, he went 100 yards. And then the little caveat at the end, instead of carrying a 140-pound player on his back or 150-pound player, it was a 160-pound player, basically saying that he could do more because he has more in him than he even thought he had. And we talked about that. We talked about bringing out the greatness in us, raising the standard, raising the bar. And that's one of the reasons why I like that film is because it, that scene right there, we're raising our standard, we're raising the bar. We're taking that inner greatness within us and bringing it out. And sometimes it requires somebody to encourage us. Sometimes it requires somebody to push us because we don't think we can do it on our own. But in this case, the coach pushing, pushing, getting the kid to do more than he thought he could. And, of course, then it changes the uh, the complexion of the movie and the plot changes and the team rallies together and they go on and you can watch it. Don't want to spoil it. Chariots of Fire, if you've never seen it, a movie about uh, an Olympic runner who won't run on Sundays. The Second Chance is a movie starring Michael W. Smith. It's about a big mega church and an inner city, smaller inner city uh, church that's really struggling. And, again, I recommend it. Uh, the Hiding Place, if you don't know what The Hiding Place, it's a movie about Corey Ten Boom. And uh, Corey Ten Boom was somebody who was hiding Jews from the Nazis during World War II. And then she eventually got arrested and ended up in a concentration camp. And so it's the movie about her story. And then, of course, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis book that Disney made. And, of course, there's a couple others that they did. But um, but those are the uh, faith-based movies. And, again, Facing the Giants gets the Footprint Awards. And if you haven't seen it and you like football, it's definitely uh, worth a watch. Now, moving on to our next category. Our next category for the Footprint Awards is the best black and white movie. Now, the criteria for this, as the category says, has to be a black and white movie. So if it's in color, doesn't count. So it has to be in black and white. So the best black and white movie, the nominees are, and again, in no particular order, you've got Citizen Kane, Raging Bull, Casablanca, Schindler's List, and of course the original Frankenstein. And so the Footprint Award for the best black and white movie goes to Casablanca. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine.
that your plane? Oh, just a little something of my own. Oh, stop it. You know what I want to hear. No, I don't. You played it for her, you played it for me. Well, I don't think I can remember. If she can stand it, I can. Play it. Yes, boss. Casablanca, one of the all-time great movies. Great line of all the gin joints in all the world, basically. She walks into mine. And then, of course, uh, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship at the end of the movie. Now, when I first watched this movie, I was actually living in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. I'd never seen it before. There was a uh, theater downtown, the Midwest Theater. It was the old-style theater. had a balcony. It wasn't one of these newer theaters that you have today. And so during the summer months, they would play some classic movies. And so Casablanca was one of the movies that they were playing. And as people were trying to entice me to go, because I was out with some friends and, and people, they told me it was about spies, the CIA, and everything. Nothing to do with spies and the CIA. People fleeing Nazi Germany. But nonetheless, they got me to go see the movie. And it turned out to be a good movie. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it. One of the things that kind of turned me on to to some different styles of music when I was taking my master's courses for English. One of the options was I had the ability to take some film classes, which saved me because, you know, let's watch a movie, not read a book, right? And so some of the genres that really kind of were interesting were obviously the horror films. And the horror films weren't just watching slasher movies. You had to watch one from each decade. So the 1920s, it was Nosferatu, the vampire movie. That's how I came across that. In the 1930s, it was Frankenstein. And for those of you that may not remember or do not know, Frankenstein is the doctor, and the actual monster is Frankenstein's monster. And a lot of times, Frankenstein is kind of lumped in with scary. But if you watch the movie, it's a completely different type of story than what you might think. And then, of course, in the 50s, I think it was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And then you had Rosemary's Baby in the 70s, which is kind of a dumb movie. And then, of course, you get in the 80s and you have oh, Halloween was in there, a movie that I had to watch for the horror genre film class and then Scream. And, and it goes from there. But another aspect of it was coming these classics. So I saw Casablanca. And so when I was taking the, another uh, American classic kind of uh, cinema film class, you kind of expose yourself to some of these things. And it kind of opens up and it gives you an idea because again, we're talking about, you know, when you watch the Oscars the other night, what are the movies? I mean, I didn't even know they had these movies out there because it was COVID, right? And we were shut down. They were making movies. But when you take a look at some of the movies today and what they do, they have the ability to create them with computer graphics and things like that to add to it, right? But back then you had to actually do everything. You had to have the special effects be special effects. You had to have the cinematography be just so the lighting. And all these other things that were actually right there on set to create these scenes. And especially when you're dealing with some of the old classics, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable to sit there and to kind of just think about what they went through and what made them become the classics that they were. And so when you watch movies, oftentimes we sit down. I know we just came out of COVID and there was all these jokes running around, memes running around, saying that you've watched the entire Netflix library or the Hulu library or the Amazon library. But if you're looking for something to do, sit back and maybe collect a movie or two. That's a classic that you haven't seen. It might be worth watching. There's a black and white movie called uh, His Girl Friday. It's about um, an investigative reporter 
that is involved with a police activity, a police crime. They're after, uh, after somebody that might have escaped from prison. And it's the whole story about this reporter covering the case, and it's pretty interesting. But again, it's something I never would have watched had I not seen Casablanca in the black and white movie and then taken a genre class and then realized that, hey, these are some good films out there that we kind of forget about. And so, again, that's why we're going through kind of just having some fun tonight. I know oftentimes we talk about some serious issues and, and things of importance, not that movies aren't because it is an escape. But we're going back to the greatness, the raising the standard, bringing out the greatness that's in us, you know, taking our passion, making it happen, letting ourselves be great. And oftentimes we kind of forget about that. We forget about letting ourselves be great, letting the good come out of us because we oftentimes want to get wrapped up in what everybody else is doing. You know, that mob mentality where everybody else is acting a certain way or everybody else is doing something. And so I'm just going to be a part of that because I want to be a part of the in crowd. But doing something different, standing out, being unique, standing above, going the extra mile, things like that. And so when we look back at some of these movies, these are the movies that maybe raised the bar, had a higher standard. Maybe the expectation from the audience was more. Think about that. The consumer might have been in consideration when we were watching movies. And so they create a movie and they put it out there thinking that the consumer, we need people to come to the box office. Now, oftentimes it seems like we just get preached at. And people, I think they want to get away from that and they want that escape. And Hollywood isn't giving us that escape. So we go other places and other places might be some of these old classic movies. Now, of course you can't have a movie without a soundtrack. Am I right? And so our next category for the Footprint Awards is the best movie theme song. And again, in no particular order, we've got Footloose, Danger Zone, Footloose obviously from the movie Footloose, Danger Zone from the movie Top Gun, Eye of the Tiger from what, Rocky Three. Flashdance from the movie Flashdance and Gangsta's Paradise, Coolio from the movie Gangsta's Paradise. Actually, it's not the movie, but Dangerous Minds is the movie. And the uh, Footprint Award goes to this song right here. She got you jumping off the deck, shoving in the Now, one of the things that the theme song really does, it drives home the point of the movie. I mean, who gets jazzed or who doesn't get jazzed when you hear Danger Zone come on? Or even Footloose. Eye of the Tiger. I mean, Eye of the Tiger goes beyond Rocky. It goes to uh, wrestling and Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania. He come down with Eye of the Tiger. He rip his shirt off, right? It gets us inspired. And then flash dance. Oh, what a feeling. You've got the, the dance girl that reaches to the sky and the water comes down and she's getting back into to dancing and she's going to take her passion and make it happen. And then, of course, Coolio's song, Gangsta's Paradise, is just a good song. Good movie, too. But uh, Danger Zone, there's just something about that song that when it comes on, it just fits perfectly. And so, again, it'll be interesting to see when the second movie comes out, Top Gun 2, uh, kind of how the soundtrack is. In fact, the whole soundtrack really... If you remember, if you go back to the 80s, the 80s was the groundwork 
for a lot of bands. It like set the table for a lot of bands to come out of the 80s and have some success, especially in the early part of the 80s. Uh, Valley Girl, for example, the soundtrack to Valley Girl, a lot of new wave bands got onto the soundtrack for Valley Girl, the original one, with Nicolas Cage before he was Nicolas Cage. And, um, and they became popular. Bands, I think, such as R.E.M., although don't quote me on that, Oingo Boingo, maybe, you know, so those type of bands. And I think Danger Zone was another one. You know, Kenny Loggins was huge in the 80s, producing all kinds of songs for soundtracks to movies. And at one time, it was deemed to be a negative thing. So, again, you have an opportunity to showcase your talents, showcase your abilities with a genre of music that at first people would kind of turn down, but then all of a sudden it became popular and everybody wanted to be a part of the soundtrack to a movie because it elevated. And especially when you got to James Bond, everybody wanted to be a part of that James Bond theme song, that, that showcase song for the movie because everybody remembers it and it elevates you and it promotes you and it gives you all kinds of publicity. And then if you have good music to follow it up, you become successful. And I was talking with somebody today, in fact, about that. You know, they want to uh, get into the entertainment field, film, kind of what we're talking about tonight. And there really isn't a desire for this person to leave L.A., leave Hollywood, because the initial thought is Hollywood is here. The movies are here. This is the movie capital of the world, right? The studios are here. But then there was also the thought that, okay, what if opportunity comes your way that is someplace else? It's in a line of work that you want to do, but maybe it's not quite here. Do you chase it? Because it might open up doors for you. It might open up avenues that you might not think would be there unless you took this job. Or he brought up documentaries. He wants to be a filmmaker, but what if he gets on to a documentary crew and starts working on documentaries as like an entry-level job? The things he could learn, the connections he could make, the experiences he could have that could then go towards more of a dream type job that he wants to do, make film. And the, the things that he would learn from over here, which might not be his first choice, but yet he takes those opportunities and then he moves it into more opportunities where he wants to be. And so that's the type of thing sometimes we have to think about, being creative and, and being flexible to have the opportunity to go out and make the most of things. I mean, you think about movies are full of that. You think of Back to the Future. You know, uh, Michael J. Fox wasn't even the uh, first. He was doing Family Ties, so he wasn't even available to do Back to the Future. And then, what was it, Eric Stoltz was actually filming it? And then it turned out that it wasn't quite working. So then they had to go back and reshoot with Michael J. Fox coming in. And so um, a lot of times you're an actor or maybe you're a musician, whatever it is you want to be. If you are ready for the opportunity when it comes, if you get yourself prepared for that opportunity, whatever it might be in business, in entertainment, in education, in life, and you're prepared for that opportunity, to audition for your dream job in this case. Would you be ready? Would you be ready to do that? And that's what we got to do. We got to get ourselves ready for the opportunity for that dream job to come along to be able to audition for and to land it. Also have the flexibility to know that there might be more than one way to get there. Have the ability to recognize opportunity when it comes up. How many times you see somebody turn down a movie? They're just not interested in it. Somebody else takes the role and becomes a huge hit. Or... 
they recognize the movie as a bad movie and they opt out of it. Someone else takes it and their career crashes. Hollywood's a fickle business. So again, we're showcasing some of the best that Hollywood had to offer. Again, this is the Footprint Awards for Two Steps Ahead podcast in life. There's the next right step. And when you take that right step, you leave a footprint. That's the Footprint Awards. And so, so far, we've had uh, mobster movies, gangster movies, with the Footprint Award going to Goodfellas. We've had trilogies, category of the trilogies, three movies. Star Wars, hands down. The best baseball movie went to Moneyball with Brad Pitt about the uh, Oakland A's 2001. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. Some good life lessons to be learned in that movie. Best 80s movie goes to Die Hard. The other thing about Die Hard was that at the time, Bruce Willis, he was doing Moonlighting, and that was kind of really the only thing that he had done. And so he was an up-and-coming. And so for him to explode onto the scene on Die Hard and become now a superstar in one movie, it basically buried Moonlighting because now he wanted to go on to be a movie star. But again, he took the opportunity to do Die Hard. It blew up, and he, uh, well, literally and figuratively, and he became a huge megastar. Horror film, Nosferatu, the 1920s vampire movie, um, silent film. Faith-based movie, Facing the Giants, wins the Footprint Award. The best black and white movie is Casablanca. And the best movie theme song goes to uh, Danger Zone from Top Gun. So that leads us to our next category, best villain. So the best villain, in no particular order, the nominees are... You've got the Joker, Heath Ledger's character, the Terminator, the original one, Darth Vader, Thanos from the Marvel series, Avengers, and lots of Huggin' Bear. Remember our lots of Huggin' Bear from Toy Story 3? That's a mean villain. And here, the Footprint Award goes to the best villain. And the best villain is... If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Hands down, Darth Vader, the worst villain ever. And when I was putting this one together, I actually kind of threw things out there kind of stealthily. Hey, who do you think the uh, worst villain in movies ever was? And hands down, without even giving options, Darth Vader uh, wins the award. Agree? Disagree? Now, Heath Ledger's character in Joker was really good, obviously. Terminator, well, that started a whole new concept of what a villain might be. Thanos obviously destroyed a lot of Avengers in the Marvel world. And then lots of Huggin' Bear. Toy Story 3, that's just mean. But hands down, by far, Darth Vader. Now, did you like the new ones? So the original three came out during my lifetime. I was young enough to see them, so I was alive to actually see them in the theater. And I think that experience is different than if you came across them later in life. It's, it's still the same, but it's a little different. And then the, the, the course of the movies, they had the remakes where they added some of the new special effects, like when um, Han Solo goes back and sees um, Jabba the Hutt, and there's some new scenes and new characters are added and things like that. And then you had the, the first three, and then you had the final three. 
lot of people didn't like the final three. I thought the final three were pretty familiar to the original three and that it kind of ended in a bizarre fashion. But the very ending, the way they concluded it, I think it was a nice tie-in. But uh, do you have Star Wars without Darth Vader? Do you have Star Wars without some of the other characters? Can you replace them? Is that what made it iconic? Because you think about the new ones that came out, or the final three, you know, you had Han Solo and then Princess Leia both before she passed away and then through CGI afterwards. Um, and it still gave us a, a sense of familiarity to it. And so if you take those away, do you have the same, the same feel for the movie? Is it the same type of movie? Was it something different? And so I think there's some strategic planning put in some of those. And oftentimes that's what we have to do. We have to kind of come up with some strategic planning in what we do. Try to maybe unite some of the old with some of the new and mix it together to get some classics, some new classics. And maybe that's what we're looking for. Maybe we're looking for some new classics in life. Are we tired of what's going on now? Are we tired of the same type of movies coming out over and over and over again? Have we watered things down so much that each movie tends to be the same? Or are we happy with the movies? Do we like what's coming out? Like I said, I really didn't know anything about the movies that were on the Oscars. I didn't watch them. But I didn't know any of those movies. Best movie? I don't know what that was. Um, Anthony Hopkins wins best um, actor. Don't know what that movie was about. So I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one that's changed. Maybe as a consumer, I expect more. If I'm going to put my money out there, maybe I want more. Because a lot of these movies, remember you go see some of these movies, especially some of these trilogies, like Back to the Future or maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you couldn't wait, even Star Wars, you couldn't wait for the next one to come out. There's a buzz surrounding it. When was the last time there was a buzz surrounding a movie? Everyone would jam-pack to the theater. And back then, you had to actually go stand in line. Now you can reserve your seat. But there was some fun to that, getting there to the theater two, three hours ahead of time to kind of get a seat so you're not stuck in the front row because there was such a buzz about a movie. Everyone was excited to see it. The anticipation was there. And I think that's the, the standard that maybe we've lost. Maybe we've lost in life. I don't know. One standard that kind of reached its peak was the best movie universe. You've heard about the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe, things like that. So these are just movies. So like, for example, in the Marvel Universe, you have the Avengers, but then you also have the other movies. You have Iron Man and all his movies, right? And then you have Captain America and Captain America movies, right? And then what in DC, you have Wonder Woman movies, but then you have the series where they come together, right? League of Justice. And so this next category is the best movie universe. All right. And so here are the nominees for the Footprint Awards for the best movie universe. And again, in no particular order, the Conjuring universe, the Conjuring and Annabelle movies, the Fast and Furious, James Bond, Star Wars, and Marvel. And the Footprint Award for the best movie universe goes to. I mean, come on, this is the OG 
of universes when it comes to movies. James Bond. You've got Sean Connery, the first James Bond, then Roger Moore, then Sean Connery comes back, and then it goes from there. I don't even know what number they're on, but each one of them universally could be said was a good movie. Now, some of the more recent ones might not be the same. There's been mixed reviews on some of the newer ones. But again, James Bond was the OG of movie universes. Star Wars, obviously, with up to nine of them, plus some other offshoots. And some of the offshoots movies were pretty good. I think they were going to do a Boba Fett movie, then they canceled it. Now they're going to do it again, I think. And then uh, Rogue One, getting the plans for the Death Star. So Star Wars, pretty good Marvel, uh, pretty good universe. Marvel, obviously Marvel Universe goes without saying. But again, a lot of it, it gets too, sometimes it gets too much. You know, there's all this ch- tangential, as we used to talk back in the old days of the show, plot lines going on. Uh, Fast and Furious, new movie coming out. Not quite the same without Paul Walker, but again, uh, movies, if you like, action-packed. And then, of course, The Conjuring, which is on the horror film genre, is actually, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it has two sets of movies, the Annabelle movies, which is the supposedly the possessed doll, and then The Conjuring, which is the possessed people or the houses or whatever. Um, but the uh, best universe has to go to James Bond, the OG of movie universes. As we move on to the next, we've got a couple more categories to go. Best Actress. Now, this one might be a little different. There's probably going to be a lot of names off the list. But I took a a different approach to it. The approach is these are people, actresses, that were in movies that were good movies, but they could fit into any different role. They weren't really typecast into anything. And, of course, over the course of time, there's all kinds of people that you could put in here. But I wanted to do something a little different. And some, and some of these less traditional um, actresses that did good jobs in movies. And um, so here you go. Are you ready? You've got the nominees for Best Actress for the Footprint Awards. Kate Beckinsale. Uma Thurman. Halle Berry. Angela Bassett. And Hilary Swank. And the winner of the Footprint Award goes to Kate Beckinsale. The war itself had become more perilous, for the moon no longer held her sway. Older, more powerful lichens were now able to change at will. The weapons had evolved, but our orders remained the same. Hunt them down and kill them off, one by one. And so again, they're in the Underworld series. If you haven't seen it, if you like the vampires, again, a vampire. So you go from Nosferatu, and again, I recommend you go see it because the the vampire is undescribable. And then through the ages, and you end up with Kate Beckinsale as a vampire. But she's also done other movies like Whiteout when she is a uh, marshal down at the uh, South Pole. And, of course, the remake of Total Recall, uh, Serendipity, which I never saw. But after seeing some of the previews and clips from it, I think I might have to see it. I don't know if I lose my man card for that or not, but I think I might have to check that out with John Cusack. Obviously, Uma Thurman, a classic. She started out in Johnny Be Good. That was her first movie she did with uh, Anthony Michael Hall getting recruited to go to college football. Uh, 
And then, of course, the Kill Bill movies and Pulp Fiction, plus a lot of others. Uh, my ex-great super superhero girlfriend or something like that. Uh, Halle Berry obviously goes without saying. All the movies she's done, like Gothica, James Bond, um, uh, New Year's Eve, and a lot of movies. Uh, Angela Bassett, Mr. 3000. Plus, I think she's on that, what, 911 TV show now? So versatile. And Hilary Swank. Hilary Swank, if you haven't seen Million Dollar Baby, by far, hands down, you've got to watch it. It won an Oscar. Clint Eastwood in it, directed it. Got to watch Million Dollar Baby. Hands down, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Tough to watch, but definitely one of the best movies. And that's what I'm talking about. You see some of these movies, and they're just unbelievably good. And they win the award for best Oscar, or best movie at the Oscars. So they're the best movie. And then you see some other movies that win best movie at the Oscars. And it's like they don't compare. If they compare, if they competed against each other, this one would never win an Oscar. It was like at the Grammys. You think about all the best songs throughout the years that have won the Grammy for best song. And then you hear the ones that we get out these days. They don't compare, in my opinion, to some of the works that have come before us. As we move into our second to last category, best actor. And again, a lot of people could fit this bill. But again, this is just my selection of actors that I that I like, the movies that I enjoy, and made the list. And so here we go with the uh, nominees for Best Actor for the Footprint Awards. You've got Denzel Washington, Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Clint Eastwood, and Harrison Ford. And the winner of the Footprint Award for Best Actor goes to are you ready? Clint Eastwood. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off get to ask yourself one question do i feel lucky well do you punk and so there you have it clint eastwood pretty much any movie that he puts out you can watch or at least i can watch and it turns out to be a a good movie kevin costner's that same way it was a close a close race between those two sean connery's done a lot of great work obviously the james bond movies plus many others uh, Harrison Ford, same thing. Great body of work along with Denzel Washington. So a great group of, of actors. But uh, for some reason, Clint Eastwood, I mean, think about the mule that he did recently. And he was, what, 88, something like that, pushing 90. And he's still out there performing, putting his best effort in, getting that emotion across, getting the storyline across, the way he just acts. So he's been quite universal, quite the career. He started out with those, what they call, what, spaghetti westerns. And then he parlayed that into a successful acting career and then into directing and producing. And so let's recap before we finally get into our final category. So again, the Footprint Awards, the best of what Hollywood gave us in lieu of the sucky Oscars that we endured. Best mobster movie, the Footprint Award went to Goodfellas. 
The best trilogy was Star Wars. The best baseball movie was Moneyball. Best 80s movie was Die Hard. The best horror film was Nosferatu, the 1920s vampire movie, silent film. The best faith-based movie, Facing the Giants. The best black and white film, Casablanca. The best movie theme song was Danger Zone, uh, Top Gun. The best villain was Darth Vader from Star Wars. The best movie universe, James Bond. The best actress, Kate Beckinsale. The best actor, Clint Eastwood. Now that brings us to a final category, best movie. And I was thinking about best movie. I really couldn't come up with a list. Now there is one movie to me that stands out. Hands down, by far the best movie ever made. When you take everything into consideration, the year the movie was made, what was available at the time, it was groundbreaking. The lasting effect it had on Hollywood. You take all these things and you put it into a movie and you get the best movie ever. Now, it's not my particular favorite movie, but it's a movie I've seen a few times. It's a movie that, like I said, it's, it was to me, it was groundbreaking. And you think of all the, the, the movies and things. And even to this day, just a few years ago, a movie came out that was kind of based on this original movie. And I believe there was a musical, Broadway musical. Did that give it away? So here you go. Are you ready? The best movie ever produced from Hollywood. The Footprint Award goes to. Follow the yellow brick road. 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 Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick, follow the yellow brick, follow the yellow brick road. You're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. You'll find the answer, wizard of the wizard, if ever a wizard of Oz. If ever a wizard of Oz, wizard of so there you go, Wizard of Oz, best movie ever made. And of course, just in that right there, you're off to see the wizard, follow the yellow brick road. Uh, you had the characters, the munchkins. You know, even there when the munchkins are talking, you had to adjust their voice in post-production to get it to tweak it so they sound munchkin-y. Um, just the imagery, black and white to color, um, all the lines, you know, the Wicked Witch, I'm melting, you got the... The Lion, the Tin Man. And then, of course, you have the, um, uh, what was it, um, that Broadway play? The Witches? You know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, so Wizard of Oz, the best movie ever made. And again, not my favorite movie ever made, but I think on its own, Somewhere with the Rainbow, everything that goes into that movie. And then it turns out to be a dream sequence. Dallas, anyone? So it just, it was a, it was a groundbreaking movie that led to a lot of things in Hollywood and, uh, man, the rough life that was led. But there you go. Wizard of Oz, best movie, footprint award. Two steps ahead. Hope you enjoyed 
kind of a night of reminiscing about movies. Maybe your list would be a little different. Maybe your movie choices and actor and actress choices might be different. Maybe you've got some suggestions of movies that I should watch. You can send them to me, twostepsheadpodcast at gmail.com. TWO, two steps head podcast at gmail.com. Let me know the movies that you like and uh, what you like to watch. Also, um, Instagram, there are two pages. There's the show page, TWO, two steps ahead podcast on Instagram. And then there's mine, Edem Rocks, E I D E M R O C K S. You can uh, DM me at either one if you choose to do so. There's also a link tree link in each of the bios. And when you click the link tree link, options pop up. There's options to Watch the shows on YouTube. There's options to watch uh, or listen to SoundCloud, to Spotify, Pandora. We're on all the major platforms for podcasting. You should subscribe to our SoundCloud and our YouTube, and you never miss an episode. You get notified when a new one gets posted. There's a swag shop, merchandise. So if you click swag, you can go and uh, check out all the merchandise, uh, shirts, hats, all different kinds of things, drinkware, uh, different styles, different selections, different colors, sizes, men's, women's, all that good stuff. It's actually pretty good. Uh, and if you've gone back and seen some of the shows, I wear some of it. Tonight just happened to be a little bit more Oscar-y. And then also uh, RadioWarp.com. We're on live Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. Pacific time, RadioWarp.com, or you can just go to the link tree link in the bios and click Radio Warp and we pop up. we got a new website coming at RadioWarp.com, so stay tuned for that. And... Um, I'd like to thank you for being with us here on this uh, broadcast night. Uh, we appreciate you listening, appreciate you watching in. Um, wherever you might see us on video, Facebook Live, YouTube, IGTV, television stations up and down the uh, West Coast, we truly appreciate it. And again, if you want to uh, reach out, Instagram, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, or T-W-O, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, or you can email the show at Two Steps Ahead Podcast at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great, and we'll see you next time here on Two Steps Ahead Podcast.